Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 3rd of April 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. This podcast is our 150th, which means we've brought over 150 stories, plus a bit of poetry and some other spoken word performances to your ears. What started out as a way to allow friends and family to listen to our stories, even though they couldn't always get to Hong Kong, has grown into a reason for more people to get on stage. It's been an effort, and at times a challenge, but it's also been fun and a good way of showcasing the stories and events that we put together. This week, as we listen to our story from Josie Ann, we will be thinking about things that we can achieve, if we dare to dream of them. Before we get to the stories, though, a big heartfelt thank you goes out to our hometown listeners in Hong Kong. Our loyal audiences have been there to support from the beginning and are appreciated. Thanks go out, too, to our listeners this week in Muscat and Oman, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Chelsea, Maryland in the USA, and Kolkata and Burdwan in India. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. This year, Hong Kong Stories is sponsoring the second annual Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival in May, where we will be showcasing seven groups based in our fine city, plus a couple of workshops on how to tell your story the best way that you can. Ticketing will be live next week. We'll have comedy, improv, poetry and podcasting, and even a bit of lying thrown in to keep you on your toes. Find out more at the Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival.com. With all this excitement, don't forget our April show on the 17th. Our storytellers are busy refining stories of intrigue, danger, and nudity. All the good stuff in one night of stories. Get your tickets now by following the link on our website, HongKongStories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy, it's better than drama. It's real life. And now from our December show with the theme of happy, here is Josie Ann. Thank you. Like many of you here tonight, I, was, I am fortunate enough to have traveled extensively in my life. I've been to Italy several times, but I only managed to get to Venice for the first time last year. That said, my uh, relationship with that city spanned 40 years. When I was seven years old, and I'm sure you're calculating already how old I am, when I, <laughs> older, when I was seven or eight years old, uh, my father had the opportunity to relocate from our native Belgium to Nigeria in Africa. Now, it was at a time of an economic downturn, and my father was not very proficient at negotiating contract. That means that we moved to Nigeria as migrants rather than as expatriates. In other words, he didn't earn enough money to, to support a family of four, buy a new car, hire a driver, and send his eldest daughter to private education in Nigeria. So very reluctantly, my parents sent me back home to Belgium to boarding school. Now, unlike today, when I was eight, I was very shy. I was very mature, probably like today. And uh, I was not prepared to living away from my family for that long. So it was a very difficult time. And that's the only part of the sob story, I promise. Um, I was very homesick. I cried a lot. I was missing my mother. I was a mummy's girl. Christmas came. I was flown to, to, to Nigeria within three weeks, and it was pure bliss. 
I played with my sister, I spent time with my mom, hugged her a lot, the kind of things you do with your parents. And like everything else, that holiday came to an end. And on the last day, on the way to the airport, I, you know, started sobbing, as you do at eight years old, in the car, very discreetly. And by the time we got to the airport, by the time we got to the gate, it turned out in a full-blown tear fest. Both my mom and I were just eyeing our balls out, very, very heartbroken. I know it's funny, but it wasn't. And my father didn't see the funny side or the side side of it at all, and he was deeply embarrassed. My father had many great qualities, but empathy was not one of them. So he instructed my mother to just pull herself together and sort me out as well, because everybody was watching. But it's a bit like in the Dominican Republic, in Nigeria, everybody shows their emotions, so nobody cared, only he did. So my mom composed herself very bravely and then decided to change my, my, my mindset as well. And she adopted a very clever strategy with, with me, which was appeal to my sense of adventure. So she told me that if I was a good girl, a strong girl, if I worked really hard at school, stopped crying today, um, we would go in June at the end of the school holidays to an amazing place called Venice in Italy. So I have no idea whether you know what Venice is. I had no idea. And at that point in time, it was like, I couldn't care less either. But my mom explained to me what it was like, and it was something like this. Venice is that amazing city in Italy. It's a magical city because it's built on 100 islands. And basically, it was built a long, long time ago. It's a very, very ancient city where the buildings look like they're floating on water. There are no streets in Venice, only canals. There's a grand canal that is wider than a motorway. You've got many smaller canals where the houses are so close to each other they can see the laundry lines basically hanging between the two sets of houses and you can see laundry drying. You can go and see the vaporettos, which are the buses in Venice, but you can also go on the gondolas where you have people with men with straw hats and stripy T-shirts and, and black uh, uh, trousers. You have the palazzios where a prince, of course, used to live and princesses. And then you have this carnival once a year where you've got amazing, amazing people dressing up with the ladies with the huge wigs and big taffeta dresses. Now, I was dreaming, and then part of me was thinking, how do they manage with the water? But I didn't want to interrupt her. So we continued. She was speaking to me, and as she continued to, to explain very vividly, and I'm sure she was making half of it up, she just captured my imagination, and I stopped crying for long enough to board the plane. So that was at Christmas time. Then, obviously, about five minutes after I left my mom, I started crying again, as you do when you're an eight-year-old. And when I went back to school, I just proceeded to very dutifully listen to my mother, who said, whenever you feel homesick, think about Venice. I took it one step further, because I was trying to be an overachiever already, and thought I would do some research on Venice as well. Now, I was born last century, before the internet and the Google. So in those days, <laughs> when you wanted to do the research, you had to show commitment and go, and go, you know what I mean, right? And go to the library. So that took a lot of effort. And the wonderful thing, of course, it was extremely healing. So I learned about Venice and daydreamed about Venice and got in trouble as well, but that's a different story. And as the time went by, I learned a lot more about Venice and I really really wanted to go. I learned about the culture, the history, the architecture, the prince, and when I didn't like the story, I made it of myself as well. And the end of the year came, June came, and I was so excited for two reasons. One, of course, I was going to see my family, especially mom. Two, I got to go to Venice. That was so exciting. 
So on the day that my parents were supposed to arrive with my little sister, I was at my granddad's, you know, checking out on the window, quite laid back in an excited kind of way. And the taxi pulled up, my parents came out, jumped out and just, you know, hoping to someone will, will collect me, which they did. We, we did what people do when they, they, they see each other after many months. And after all the questions were answered, I had shown my, my school report, the suitcase was emptied. I was finally able to ask the, the question that was burning my lips. When are we going to go to Venice? And I noticed my mom shifting. She looked uncomfortable. And I went, Dad? And my father said, oh, we've just been. It wasn't that exciting. You didn't miss anything, and your sister's got a gondola for you. I wasn't expecting laughter. I just thought, exactly. You can feel, right? I don't need to explain. It was like, what? Now, I was a very compliant girl. I was definitely not going to challenge my father. He would not have uh, approved. But basically, time stopped, literally, at that point. And I mustered the courage to look at my father and said, you mean you went without me? He said, well, yes, it was cheaper that way. And that was that. Thank you. That's it. The healing is <laughs> So I have, I, have, um, <laughs> I have told this story many times over the past 40 years because it's my Venice story, of course. Um, and last year, I was having lunch with my uh, older sons, my ex-husband and a few and a friend, and uh, we were talking about summer holidays. One started talking about their planned holidays to Italy. I thought, oh, maybe Venice. Yes, they're going to Venice, so, of course. Out came my Venice story. And um, on the way back, my eldest son, Max, said, Mom, I don't understand. Why have you never been to Venice? I said, but you've heard that story a thousand times. He says, no, 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 not as a kid. As an adult, why have you not been to Venice? And that was the light bulb moment. It was a <laughs> yes and yes moment. <laughs> and so I'll spare you the detail, but last June, we went to Venice. Only Max came with me. But we did the sort of things that I wanted to do as a little girl. Quite a few I had forgotten, to be honest. And then we did additional, more exciting things. So one of them was taking part in a regatta called La Voga Longa. That did not exist when I was a little girl. La Voga Longa, if you don't know, uh, is a wonderful day out. If you imagine the Grand Canal over a distance of 30 kilometers for one day, no motorboats are allowed, only man-powered vessels. And you've got about 2,000 vessels, from kayaks to gondolas to even dragon boat, and boats whose name I don't know, but with many people on it, rowing or paddling. And it's supposed to be a kind of race, but Italian style. So it's really a day out, and you stop to eat, you stop to have spritz, you stop to have a bit of Prosecco, and maybe one too many. And my son and I rented a, a, a dual kayak, and we had the most wonderful day. And that was kind of illustrative of the whole week. So that now is my Venice story. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Our heroes this week are Gina, who curated and directed December's live show, and all the many hands helping to put together our Spoken Word Festival in May. You are appreciated. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs> <laughs>